0: Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Wait, Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, Go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good way. No one dies. Mean girls made a PT 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.
1: Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast on govols 247com I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker on a Thursday ahead of another busy Tennessee baseball weekend. A busy weekend for Tennessee athletics in general. Tennessee football has its spring game on Saturday, and will be hosting several recruits uh, for for football. Uh, basketball has some some transfer visitors that that will be in town, and baseball is is off to the land of Dave Van Horn and the Razorbacks to to face number five Arkansas in a big time showdown that has been highly anticipated. I, I wouldn't even say for months, but for for, for years now, a couple of years since uh, Tennessee and, and Arkansas had that run in in 2021 when Arkansas came to Knoxville. They did win that series, but uh, Max Ferguson had a big walk-off home run. Tony Vitello and Dave Van Horn got into it. Uh, then they played in the SEC tournament, the SEC title game. Arkansas won that, so – uh, the 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 two teams did not play last year, so they have not met since. The, there's been a lot of run-ins uh, amongst the fans on social media si- since then, and, and maybe some uh, not so subtle comments in the media uh, by by Dave Van Horn at times. But uh, Wes, we we finally arrived to this series. Uh, Again, it it will be in Fayetteville this weekend on on Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, on Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, and then on Sunday in the series finale at 3 p.m. Eastern. Game one is on SEC Network, and then game two and game three will be streamed on SEC Network+. Plus. So, Wes, we'll we'll get into all the baseball stuff here in just a moment, but uh, this has been a, a highly anticipated matchup for quite some time now.
0: Yeah, it has been, Ben. And, and I, I you know, I'm, I'm personally sad that I, that I won't be there because, you know, it's, um, it's the spring football game. So that's going to kind of take precedent. Unfortunately, uh, it's it's kind of a bummer um that, that I won't be in Fayetteville this weekend because I, I've been looking forward to this matchup for a while. You know, anytime uh, that there's sort of two really good teams, that's a good thing. Anytime there's a little animosity, a little bad blood, that's never a bad thing. Well, I guess it can be a bad thing, but, uh, to me, it kind of spices things up a little bit. Uh, I know that's a great stadium, a, a great program, and and those guys don't have a lot of love for the Vols, as you can tell by any time Tennessee baseball is ever mentioned on social media. <laughs> Arkansas fans seem to have like a radar lock on that. Um, the, the, they've wanted this for a while. It's going to be hopping. It's going to be loud. It's, it's going to be nasty for Tennessee. And uh, I, I, I wish that I could be there to kind of see it and soak it all in. It's going to be unfortunate to see it from t v but but what a big time matchup what a big opportunity for Tennessee uh, against a team that's also kind of been okay but not maybe as good as as people thought it could be at times, um, but still two really good teams, two national championship contenders um, and we'll see if it's if it ends up being just baseball or more than that, but uh it it's exciting either way
1: we we will certainly see uh, whether it it ends up being more than than just baseball hard, hard to imagine uh something not popping off at at some point just just because there, there is a lot of hostility uh, between the two programs right now and and arkansas fans will have their pitchforks ready there, there is no doubt uh, about that so i i honestly if if i'm being just straight up I'll, I'll be very very surprised if if something doesn't happen not not saying that there's going to be a brawl or anything like that or you know yeah two, something's going to happen something's going to happen one team's going to throw at the 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 other but I mean we, even this season we've already seen Brad Bohan and the Alabama coach kind of have some words for for Arkansas fans and as far as I not as far as I know there's no prior history b- b- between Brad Bohan and the Alabama coach and, and Arkansas fans so if if that's happening then then surely something will happen with with Tennessee and Arkansas at some point but who knows maybe not there there, there hasn't been as much drama Within the games this season, like there was last season, as much as I thought that there would be, so that that's been a, a surprise. Uh, so so maybe they'll they'll surprise me again this weekend.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting because you know I, I agree with you that I thought there'd be more sort of antics this season, and sometimes I wonder if the lack of antics is something that I don't want to say hurts this team, but it, it, it's they are their reputation is what it is and people expect a certain type of game and they're going to bring a certain type of energy when they play Tennessee. And, and Tennessee's got to find a way to match that if that's just with performances on the field, if that's with a little bit of, you know, uh, friskiness that, that get, kind of gets things jump-started. I don't know exactly what the answer is, but uh, you are kind of who you are. And, and I think this team, this program, these guys are not, you know, there's not a Drew Gilbert, there's not a Jordan Beck. Uh, and some of the guys who I think we, we both thought might be some sort of instigators at some point with some stuff, they've not done that either. They've just kind of played baseball and there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously it's kind of the old school way to do it. But, you know, I, I, sometimes I wonder if a little bit of a spark wouldn't help this Tennessee team, I, you know, in, in, certain, in certain, in a certain type of way. Um, but I know that those guys are and Tony Vitello is wired the way he is. There's going to be thousands of people there at that stadium and they're going to be giving him hell all weekend. I can't imagine that it won't have an impact at some point um, because that can be a hostile place for anybody to play, let alone somebody who they really, really don't like. So, you know, the, the, this team is sort of having to, to atone for sort of the, the sins of maybe previous Tennessee players but but that's what we all knew was going to happen and they're going to have to respond to that. And they're going to have to find a way, whether it's through just playing the game or a little bit of extra in order to combat that.
1: They will. And I'm I'm really interested to see what we learn about this team from a, a a leadership standpoint and and culture standpoint and and things of that nature and, and and not that I'm questioning the culture because I'm I'm not at all but more so speaking to the 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 individual identity of a of a program from year to year like like there's one general identity and and culture that that the program has big picture and, and overall when you summarize the the program in general, but then you kind of look at the teams from from year to year, and, and each team has its own personality, right? Like Rick Barnes, his, his culture is his culture, but Grant and Admiral's teams had different had a different personality than Josiah and Santi's teams because they're they're different players and different athletes and, and different minds and, and things of of that nature. So this year's team. Although there are still familiar faces on the roster, the, the heart of the lineup that features Jared Dickey, Christian Moore, and Blake Burke, it, it's going to create a, a different identity than last year's team that had Jordan Beck and Drew Gilbert and Evan Russell and Luke Lipsius. especially when you factor in transfers like Maui Ahuna, Griffin Merritt, and Zane Denton. And, and then also even the pitching staff. Uh, you, you do have your, your three starters that have started to this point in the season. That have been the same faces, but you've got new faces in the bullpen as well. Your your top two bullpen arms, aside from Camden Sewell, are, are new guys for the most part. Haverson was here last year, but kind of hard to 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 really have an impact when you're sitting on the sideline because of injury. Uh, so he he's out there leading the way by example and and by his play on the field. And then Andrew Lindsey uh, sat out, didn't even play baseball last year, and, and transferred from Charlotte. So. Uh, th- this team has a new identity, so I'm interested to continue to learn about this team's identity. And we do need to kind of lump last weekend in with with this preview pod of of Arkansas. Uh, I, I've been sick all week. This is the first day that I felt normal uh, or or somewhat normal. Uh, so do apologize for for no post Florida podcast. Just have simply have not been able to. Uh, but in, in kind of lumping the two in together. Uh, because there there are two themes that that do coexist when when looking at Florida and that series loss for Tennessee, and then looking at this weekend, obviously the the pitching for Tennessee, the starting pitching for Tennessee is a big conversation. Wes, but before we get into to that conversation, talking about the 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 identity of this team and and me being very curious and and wanting to learn more about the identity of this team because it, it's still relatively, technically we are past the halfway point barely. But th- this is still a bunch that is coming into its own. And when you look at LSU, I thought they went down there in a hostile environment with their backs against the wall. And I thought that they, they held their own. They competed really well, you know, dumb mistakes, just physical mistakes for the most part, uh, hampered them from winning that series. But they competed and, and played really, really well, given the environment, which was a very difficult environment this is going to be on steroids compared to the LSU environment. But it was disappointing to see them compete the way that they did at LSU and then come back against Florida. And I'm not going to say that the effort wasn't there because I do think the effort was there, but the effort being what it needs to be in the SEC against a team like Florida and, and you know having that edge that you were just kind of talking about, I thought that was lacking in game one and game two against Florida, which was disappointing given how they competed at LSU. So I'm interested to see this weekend against Arkansas in an environment that is similar to LSU, but will be on steroids. How do they respond? And honestly, I think that they're going to respond well with their backs against the wall.
0: You know, I think there's definitely a chance that happens, Ben. I, I, I think the thing about those Florida games to me was I, I can't tell whether it's something was just a little bit off or if it's just a case of Florida starting pitchers were on point and Tennessee's weren't and Tennessee got itself behind a little bit in both games. And, you know, I think it's kind of a shock to the system when you see guys like Dolander and Burns, like not perform to the level that people know they can compete. I, I think that, I think that sort of a, takes a little bit of air out of the balloon for Tennessee. And, and, and I think it, it, something with that, The way they were competing at the plate, they took a lot of strike threes. They struck out a lot, just not the kind of locked on radar focus you want to see when you're in the box. And I think they let the the umpire get to them a little bit. They kept kind of complaining about pitches that I thought were strikes. I think the metrics showed were strikes, but they kept thinking they were balls. And, you know, they they just kind of it's like they kind of got shocked by the moment they were in. Like, wait a minute. Why have we not? Why Why are we not doing what we need to do? Why are we not? Why are we not doing what we need to do? And, and they they just kind of you look up and it's like, hey, fellas, you lost both of those games. Baseball comes at you like that. This league, you take the slightest bit of a dip. I mean, the slightest bit of a dip in either your focus, your performance, your 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 talent level as a team, whatever it is. The slightest little bit, it really is like you're at a NASCAR track, like a, like a Daytona or Talladega, and you lose the draft. Like, it goes right by you the second that you take your foot off the gas and the second that you stop performing. And they need their starting pitchers to give them that edge back because those guys need to be on the mound and shoving it. And when those guys are doing that, you saw what happened with Drew Beam in the finale. When when a starting pitcher went up there, I think two things happened in that game, Ben. I think – and I wrote about both of them, so if you're reading Go Balls 24-7, you you might have already seen this. But the starting pitching that Beam gave them set the tone for that game, and Griffin Merritt reappeared on offense to give them a right-handed power bat that this lineup desperately needs. And I think both of those things coincided into one game, and you saw Tennessee kind of look like Tennessee again. It it wasn't as boisterous as last year's Tennessee – but the product on the field in that game, the home runs, the power, the strikeouts, the dominant stuff on the mound, that looked like Tennessee again. So they got to find a way, whether it's tweaking the rotation or what or whatever it is, they need their starting pitchers. They've got too many arms to, to kind of go out there and have their starting pitchers not perform. Uh, I don't know what needs to happen to change that, but something needs to change that because this team is going to go as far as those guys take them
1: well and and we're getting those changes this weekend. Tennessee is is switching up the the starting rotation uh, against Arkansas. Uh, Tennessee announced on Thursday when it has to announce its projected starters by noon on Thursday, uh, all SEC teams do going into the weekend. And it's kind of weird that that's a rule, but then you you look at the projected starters <laughs> Uh, on Thursday and, or I, I should say in game two and, and game three for Tennessee and Arkansas, and both teams list TBD to be determined. Uh, so I, I don't know why there, there's a rule in place. If both teams are are only listing one projected starter, Arkansas listed its projected game one starter, and then Tennessee projected or listed its projected game one starter. And the rest of the weekend was TBD. So So not sure why that rule is in place, but needless to say, Tennessee put out it's projected starters, uh, and poor TBD. Uh, he, he's going to be throwing a lot of pitches. on Yeah, man, Saturday. he's going. He's so going. You got
0: to watch the pitch count, there, man. They're going to Tommy John potential big time with TBD.
1: Yes, prayer prayers up for TBD this weekend, uh, but no Chase Tholander, no Chase Burns, no Drew Beam. So none of Tennessee's three headed rotation coming into the season that, that everybody was rightfully talking about is listed as a starter this weekend. Uh, and instead, Andrew Lindsey, who has been one of Tennessee's best bullpen options this year, he is listed as the game one starter to pitch on Friday night against Arkansas. And I'm I'm not surprised to see him starting a game this weekend, Wes, but I am surprised to see him listed as the game one starter this weekend.
0: Yeah, that that one kind of – shocked me and and I've wondered you know for the past couple weeks just in my head baseball coaches being wired the way they are if they would try to find a way to maybe just say you know what Burns you're going game one and Dolander, you're going game two because that worked better for both of you last year so maybe I'll go back to that and and then see where it goes so I, I, I think we all expect that Beam will start it's just will he start game two or game three because he's done nothing to lose his rotation spot. He was fantastic last weekend. So uh, to make to make the game one at Arkansas to be Lindsay's first start, that shocked me. I mean, that is a big time environment. He's got a big time arm. I've talked on several times on this podcast about his spin rates and how good they are. They're elite, really. I mean, he's got major league plus spin rate, but it, to have that be your first start, I mean, I mean I, I don't think that's Vitello pushing the panic button, but it, it's certainly an alarming change and one that I frankly did not expect. And, and maybe other people expected it and that's fine. I'm just speaking for myself. That really surprised me. It wouldn't have shocked me to have Burns um, in one and Dolander in two and Beam in three. And it wouldn't have surprised me to take Burns out of the rotation, but to not have Dolander listed in any of the spots and and to go with Lindsey in game one, then I was pretty shocked. I'm going to
1: be honest. Yeah, and, and I was too, uh, for sure. But uh, I, I do think that there's maybe a little gamesmanship there as well. I I kind of touched on the the TBD stuff. I, I Again, I think there's some gamesmanship there. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if your game two, game three starters for Tennessee – did not consist of drew beam and chase dolander yeah What, what what order i don't know but i i would be surprised if when we reconvene on on sunday night or on monday to recap the series if chase dolander and drew beam weren't game two and game three starters now uh for for all intensive purposes or I, I guess it doesn't really matter. But if I were the the coach in charge of the baseball team, I would have swapped out Halverson for Burns. I, I would have kept Dolander in that Game One spot um, I, only because I I feel like he's close. He he yeah, I do too. Has, He has not been what he he's capable of being, and he has had to to really labor through some innings. But it, it seems like he's not far off, and it, and it's just waiting on that last switch to flip. So I, I would have left him there for, for that reason. Uh, and then Beam, I'm not touching. Like you said, he he was terrific against Florida, tighter career high and 10 strikeouts. Uh, the team's back was against the wall, trying not to be swept against Florida. Uh, I don't believe he allowed a walk, only gave up two runs, and, and those two runs didn't come until the seventh inning he was terrific no need to to pull him from the rotation but burns has has just not had it he did not have a single start last year in which he allowed four runs and in every single sec start to this point he has allowed four runs in each of those starts uh and, and i am just i'm i'm stunned quite frankly uh, given the the talent of the young man and and given frank anderson's ability to to develop pitchers and and coach them up. And and I'm not saying that Chase Burns has lost and and they should give up on him. He he should still have a prominent role. I I just do think that until his outings look differently, it it should be out of the bullpen um, because you you can't continue to, to trot him out there because like Chase Dolander, it it looks like he's close. It does not at all look like Chase Burns is close. So I I did think that a change needed to happen there uh, until he can trust his secondary pitches more. Because it really just does seem like hitters are are laying off of those secondary pitches. Maybe he's too committed to those secondary pitches at times. But something with the approach, the mindset needs to change there uh, in order for him to to get back on track. Because teams are just sitting on that fastball. And, And not only is he not locating the fastball, but when he does locate the fastball, teams are just absolutely hammering it so I I hate I hate it for Burns he's a great great kid Uh, he he puts in a lot of work it's not for a lack of effort it it just has not clicked for him yet this season and the good news for him and Tennessee is that there's still two months to go and and maybe they can get him back on track but that's the change that I would have made I would have left Doe where he was I, w- I would have left Bean where he was, and then I honestly would have started Seth Halverson just because he does have starting experience in this league. He was a Friday night starter at Missouri, but I also do certainly understand Lindsey. L- Lindsey would have been my second choice. He started at Charlotte. He, he knows what it's like to be a starter, uh, and he's been just as good out of the bullpen as – uh, Seth Halverson and, and for those asking about Camden Sewell and, and why not Camden Sewell Tennessee likes him at the back end of games that they want to go to him when the game is on the line in the seventh eighth ninth inning and and let him take it home yes technically you, you, the game is on the line in in those first innings as well but they they just feel like with Camden's mentality he, he's best suited to close out games. So that that's why you're not seeing them make a move to, to start Camden. Sewell, so, especially when you have two great options in Seth Halverson and Andrew Lindsay, and even with Halverson, although I said, I would have gone to him West. He he's also really, really served well kind of as that first arm out of the bullpen.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think with, with Burns, I mean, it's one of those things that's really easy to say and much harder to do. But I think the second he starts landing that slider for strikes again, he takes off. Uh, that slider that he has is an absolutely nasty pitch, but he's got to land it for strikes. It can't just be a chase pitch. Um, and I, I swear to you, I'm not. That's not an awful pun intended there. I, I mean, he, he's got to. When he throws that slider for a strike, he is so hard to hit because then you're 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 kind of guessing. You know what, what? Which which way is this ball going? Am I getting the fastball? or Am I getting the slider? And then he can drop in that other off speed pitch, and just as kind of a show it to you a little bit pitch. And and he's fine. It's just he's not landing that off speed stuff for strikes. So people are just waiting until they get a fastball. And and I don't care how much velocity you have on your arm. I don't care what your velo is if you are not throwing your secondary pitches for strikes and these guys could just sit dead right on a fastball it could be 105 miles an hour it's not going to matter these guys can hit it and they will hit it and these guys in this league will punish it so i i don't blame vitello for doing what he's done there with burns i think he would be the guy who would be the easy one to not an easy one but but the most obvious one to take out of the lineup for now out of the rotation and it's tough for him because Burns definitely profiles as a starter you know he he's he's not a anyone can can be a reliever I suppose but he's he's built kind of physically and with his stuff he should be a starter like there's a reason why he's a potential first round pick next year like the stuff is just so good but you know they're they're playing for keeps in this league you know they're they're trying to develop guys and they're they want to be loyal to their guys but like they want to win games man they're, they're, they're five and seven in league play. They got to take it up a notch. And so, you know, if you're not getting it done, then, then you gotta, you, you gotta go let somebody else take the, take the bat and go the, from there. I mean, there, there's, I mean, he, he also gave Griffin Merritt a couple of days off when he wasn't hitting the ball. Kyle Booker, when he wasn't hitting the ball, got put out of the lineup they're, they they got to find guys who are going to produce. I mean, you don't get 162 games in the regular season. You get about 50. So, it's still a marathon but it's a much shorter kind of marathon it's like a half marathon like bro you got to be ready you got to be you got to be on your game you got to be good and they got to find a way to mix things up I like you probably would have gone with Halverson above Lindsay but I default to the fact that I I believe Vitello and Anderson know their guys better than than we do and so they probably have their reasons for doing that and and if it doesn't work you know, Vitale will be the first one to say, "Hey, that didn't work. My bad, guys." But I mean, you gotta try something. They gotta try something to get this thing kick started. And, and when you're five and seven, and you're you're trying to compete for championships, and you're five and seven in the league play, even in a really good league, you you can't really complain if your coach is kind of taking you out of the lineup because nobody's at a high level consistently getting it done.
1: And the other thing about the pitching as well, and it's something that you hit on earlier when we were talking about. Maybe the the letdown in in effort and in mentality against Florida. I, I spoke to. I was I was disappointed in, in what I saw. Again, not that I thought that they weren't playing with effort and playing hard. I I do think that they were, but just they they weren't they weren't playing with the requisite amount of effort and intensity. They weren't ready to kill. No, they 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 weren't and and you you have to have that mindset of sorts. You, you have to play with a, a certain amount of effort and intensity that's not normal in order to win in this league, especially when when you're playing a top five team like like Florida. So while I, I do think that it was disappointing for them to to take a step back in that regard because I think that they had that at LSU. They didn't have it at Missouri. They definitely had it against AM. I thought that they really had it at LSU, and then I I thought that they had kind of gotten over that hump of of not having that Missouri vibe to them, but they had that vibe not as not as dramatic as the Missouri series, but Florida punched them in the mouth pretty good in in game one and game two, and uh, getting to the point is that- Florida, Florida was ready for payback,
0: man. Florida got it put on them in their home field. They had the pictures up in the dugout. The Gators were ready for blood. They wanted it.
1: Yes, but getting to the point that I was going to say is that, like, like you said earlier, I do think part of the reason that the intensity wasn't where it needed to be is because of the first innings that the the pitching staff allowed. That Dolander allowed. That Burns allowed. I mean, they were they're, they're down four nothing before they even had the bat in their hands, and, and that is so draining and takes a lot out of you and and you do have to be able to to face adversity and have the resolve to, to snap out of it, Wes, but it, it, it is still, it, it really takes the wind out of your sails when you're already down four nothing before you get the hit. And that's been the constant theme up until that point.
0: Yeah. And, and like I mentioned earlier, it's, a, it's a shock when it happens with guys like Dolander and Burns, because everyone knows how good they are. I mean, they they kicked this league where it smells funny last year. That's what they did. I mean, they were their numbers were dominant. They were elite, and the, the, you expect them to keep doing more of the same. And and when they don't do that, it kind of shocks your system, right? It's like if you're you know if if you're if you see like a, you're in basketball or whatever, you're the mid '90s Bulls, and you got all of a sudden Jordan starts scoring like eight points a game or ten points a game. You're like, what the hell's going on? It kind of deflates everybody. It kind of shocks everybody. And when, when your best guys have got to be your best guys. And this team was supposed to be led by this pitching staff. And when they're not doing it, you better believe everybody on the team knows it, man. They know it very, very well. And, and it, it, it shocks the senses. And, and I don't think they got over it. Uh, even though it was sort of the defense made some of those mistakes too. And some things with the offense weren't great, but it, it started on the mound, man. It definitely did.
1: It, it did. And I will say, like, this is the, the the next step in in this team, hopefully getting better if you're a Tennessee fan, because you, you've seen the other areas that were frustrating the, the first month, month and a half. You, you've seen those areas get better. They They did not have a single base running mistake this weekend or last weekend against Florida. And uh, I know they didn't score much in game one and game two. Yes, but, but I
0: said they didn't have many guys on the bases in, in those first couple of games.
1: Well, they did. They just didn't drive them in.
0: Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. My bad. No, you're absolutely right. They did have – I forgot they had a lot of guys left on base. You're right.
1: Yes, that that was the theme of kind of game one and game two is that they, they, they could get guys on base, but they couldn't drive them in, and, and they were looking at pitches right down the middle and, and being stubborn with, with some of those pitches. So you, you saw, you've seen them take a step forward with, with base running. They, they seem to have toned down the aggressiveness and it seems to have, to have paid dividends. Uh, even going back to LSU, uh, you're picked off twice. And, and one of them, Tony Vitello was adamant that it happened solely because the, the, the infield, Dirt was hard as a rock and easy to slip on. It wasn't necessarily a base running mistake. It was more a product of the environment. So these last couple of weekends, you you haven't seen those base running mistakes that that plagued this team the first month, month and a half of of the season, and and that were very frustrating to watch and and see be the reason that they were losing. And and then outfield defense has gotten so much better the, the last several weeks. Uh, and you, you still had some some hiccups in the infield here and there. Uh, but I I do feel like that will continue to get better. This team is getting better. The the offense is slowly but surely coming along. You, you need to, to find some consistency there. But I do think, again, slowly but surely it's coming along. The bullpen has been I won't say lights out, but it's been really, really, really good. It's been close, season. close to that. Yes. Yes, it's been really, really good all season long. The, the part that's been lacking that, that hasn't necessarily showed signs of improvement like those other areas has been the starting pitching. So maybe this is the weekend that jump starts it.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, we've said this to, uh, about Tony Vitello. I, I know I've said it before, Ben, and we're doing this podcast now together because we're coworkers this year. But, you know, it's no secret that Tony Vitello is not the world's most patient man. And he is not the world's best loser. He does not like losing. And if his team is losing and he thinks it should be winning, he's going to do anything he can to change anything. Like nobody's job is safe. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you mean to him, how how much he likes you, believes in you. He does not like losing. It's almost like when he wins, it's like he's relieved. And when he's, when he's, his, his emotion comes the most from when he loses because he's furious. He just cannot take it. He, he's not used to it. He's won a lot at Tennessee, and, and he he just kind of has that mentality. So if they're not performing, nobody's job is safe, man. It's not. Like, they're going to move guys around. They're going to move guys in different positions. They'll, they'll tweak the starting rotation. If, if he thinks that something needs to be moved, like, he's not going to stand pat and wait and wait and wait like if he thinks that 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 a a move might help or some moves might help
1: by god he's going to make those moves he certainly will and we've got to make a move to a break and we'll be back on the other side to discuss and preview number 16 tennessee at number five arkansas it'll be a fun one and we'll preview it next here on the go balls 247 podcast
0: Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League knockout stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.
1: The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee. He is Wes Rucker previewing this weekend's series between Tennessee and Arkansas. It should be fun. Get your popcorn ready. Lane Kiffin tried to get his popcorn ready. Tennessee fans and Arkansas fans actually need to get their popcorn ready for this weekend because there will be plenty of fireworks both on the field, off the field, and and probably on social media as well. So, So get your fingers ready. To, to send those tweets off, w- whether it be angry tweets, emotional tweets, just, just get your fingers ready because you're going to want to fire tweets off one way or another. Uh, and speaking of getting those fingers ready, we, we'd like it if you'd use those fingers to go like, rate, and review the podcast. We would greatly appreciate that here at GoFalls247. Wes, I mentioned it, it's a, it's a big weekend. And simply put, I, I hate to be this simplistic, although do although I do like being a, a simple man, at times, although other times I am far from being a simple man, uh, I think it's going to come down to pitching. We we obviously have have spoken at length about Tennessee's uh, pitching issues at the moment, at least with its starting rotation. Uh, but it's not just Tennessee that's dealing with pitching issues. Uh, Arkansas, believe it or not, is is dealing with worse pitching issues, and uh, for similar reasons. Uh, to Tennessee. They, they do have some guys that aren't necessarily pitching to their potential, it seems, uh, but they've also really been hit by the injury bug. Uh, they're, they're missing a few huge pieces. Uh, Friday night starter Jackson Wiggins goes down before the years. Uh, pre- preseason All-American Brady Tiger goes down, uh, and then a key transfer in Cody Frank. He also goes down, so there's been a lot of shuffling uh, amongst that Arkansas pitching staff, and uh, You know, we talked about the TBDs earlier. Arkansas has been doing that every single weekend, um, listing one starting pitcher. They'll throw a lefty, Hagan Smith, who is a big time arm. He's been the one constant starter for Arkansas, uh, has been a closer at times. He's expected to start on Friday night. Again, he's a lefty uh, and, and has played really, really well. But it's a, an Arkansas pitching staff that lacks depth. And, and the numbers aren't, aren't too pretty in SEC play for the Hogs. They've allowed the third most home runs, their eighth in ERA at 5.59. They've allowed the eighth most earned runs. Their ninth in opponent batting average opponents in SEC play are hitting 285 off of Arkansas. Uh, they've allowed the 10th most hits allowed. And then they're 12th in strikeouts. So they've only struck out more hitters than two other teams in the league. And again, those stats that I just mentioned, that is during SEC play uh, with four weekends under our belt now. I've shifted more towards conference stats than overall stats because overall stats can be inflated by midweek wins, such as Arkansas beating Little Rock earlier this week, 21 to five. I believe at this point, SEC stats are more indicative of who you are, and West the SEC stats for Arkansas's pitching staff, pitching staff are, are not kind. Uh, we know Tennessee's issues with the staff. I just went through Arkansas's issues with its staff, and you obviously road environment for Tennessee that's going to play a a, a role. Tennessee can't shoot itself in its foot, as we've talked about it linked as well. But ultimately, I think when when we reconvene on Monday, we'll be talking about the the team that wins. Will be because their pitching staff was better than the other. Yeah,
0: it's interesting because Arkansas, in some ways, you know, you alluded to this, Ben. That they've that's not been quite the team in terms of the statistics that that a lot of us and certainly a lot of people over in that part of the country thought that team would be. But that team has continued to find ways to win. It's it's really hit the ball well. It's played you know pretty good defense, and it's a it's twenty six and seven, eight and four in league play. Now again, I don't think. It has played LSU just like Tennessee has, but I think overall certainly the schedule Tennessee's played in the league's probably been a little tougher. Um, but I, it's, it's interesting to me that Arkansas has found a way to keep winning and be fifth in the country despite so many things not being quite the way that they would like them to be. And, and I don't know if that is – a really good thing for them or a bad thing for them. I, it's hard to figure out because it's like, yeah, you keep winning, but like they're doing some things that maybe could catch up with them. So I, I, I can't quite figure out exactly what to think about this Arkansas team. You know, I, I, people are listening to this for Tennessee news, but but obviously Arkansas is the opponent this weekend. And they, they've been really interesting to me because that you can't quite put together so many things that they kind of wanted to have. They haven't had them just yet, but they're, they're still winning. And Tennessee is the same way, except where it hasn't won as much lately. So yeah, it's if Tennessee pitches the way it's capable of pitching, Tennessee can win any series against any opponent in any park in the country. If Tennessee will go in there and pitch the way it can, it can win this series or it can walk guys. It can leave, you know, get behind two one or two oh three one Throw meatballs down the pipe and get them blasted out of the yard. Arkansas has, I think, got twenty nine or thirty straight games with a home run. Those guys can hit and they can hit in their yard. They're comfortable there, so um, it's going to be big. There's certainly some offensive things like we talked about. Griffin Merritt, him emerging. Well, there's a lefty starter in that first game, so that's going to be important. He and Christian Moore have got and, and Zane did from the right side those guys have got to produce offensively in those kind of situations. Cause if you can get, if you can hit those guys and you can get to Arkansas's pen, you you can really, you can hurt that team. If you can get into the pitching depth, Tennessee has more pitching depth than Arkansas. There's, there's no doubt about that, but Arkansas has been a better team this season because it's found other ways to go out there and win. And Tennessee hasn't consistently done that. So if Tennessee pitches the way it can, I think it can win this series. But the reason I'm not sure what's going to happen is because I don't know what's going to happen with the pitching. I, I, I just I don't think any of us know. I don't think Tony Vitello knows. I don't think Frank Anderson knows. And last season they knew they knew what they were getting from those guys on the mound for the most part. And that's what made them the team they were. Everything started there. Yes, they had the number one offense in the country. But everything started with the way those guys were shoving it on the mound, having quick innings getting the ball right back to the offense with, with momentum, with some energy, with some juice, they got to get back to doing that. They got to get on the mound. They got to, they got to get guys out. They got to get out of innings quick and and they got to get the momentum going back in their favor, because if they can do that, they're really good. Um, They've still got the ability to be special and win championships this season, or they can keep doing what they're doing. And it's going to be a frustrating year.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to see what Arkansas ends up being, in the long run. And for any Arkansas fan that may be listening to this, please don't take what I'm about to say as a disrespect because I, you're think hating
0: them. You're hating them. You're hating them. Ben's hating.
1: No West Rucker is the noted Arkansas hater. Um, But oh, s- I, I think Arkansas is a good baseball team. Let me, let me preface what I'm about to, to bring up by that. I think Arkansas is a good baseball team, but they don't strike me as the number five overall team when Kind of judging them on the eye test this season when I've been yeah that's what I was saying yeah and also like look at the schedule like it's the SEC is the SEC don't get me wrong but they they started with Auburn and swept Auburn then they did play LSU and and they they won game one kudos to to Arkansas going in there nine three and ten innings uh Hunter Holen, Holland uh, he he held his own against Paul Skeens. That was very, very impressive. But then they got rocked though those final two games, 12 to 2 and, and 14 to 5. And then they, they host Arkansas or they they host Alabama and Alabama absolutely destroyed Arkansas in game game one of that series, 12 to 1. And, and then they kind of had some some close games back and forth with that Alabama team, nine to six and five to four. They, they won both you you obviously get credit. There is still an SEC baseball win, but Alabama has proven not to be what people thought it would be based off of yep. what they looked like during the non-conference. And then last week, Ole Miss finally gets an SEC win against Arkansas. And uh, you, Arkansas did hit around at Ole Miss in game one, 11 to two. Then they lost seven to four, the second game of that doubleheader, and then won a close one in game three, six to four. So, Again, it's SEC baseball. I think Arkansas is good. I think they're a top 10, top 15 team somewhere in there. They remind me a lot like Tennessee, quite honestly, um, a, a team that has talent. But because of some issues here and there, they're, they're still trying to, to figure out it its way. So I'll be curious to see where Arkansas ends up at the end of the season, because I, I do think they've benefited from playing Auburn and Alabama and Ole Miss to start SEC play.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what we're both kind of saying the same thing here a little bit. And that's a good thing because that usually means that we're on the same page. We're onto something. I I think Arkansas is a good baseball team. I don't know that I look at it and go, wow, that's a top five team, but you know what? They're winning games. And, and you can only play the teams in front of you. And that's what Arkansas has done. And Arkansas has won 26 of 33 games, eight and four in SEC play. Uh, and that's despite having some pitching issues, some injury issues, some consistency issues. Um, but I look at them and I say, I just don't quite understand it. Now, Tennessee is a, is an entirely different and much more infuriating bunch to this point in the season, because Tennessee, y- 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 you know, the the expectation and what was about the same as Arkansas and, and the results have, have not been there. And it, that's a team that we know what that kind of talent that team has, and it hasn't done it. So again, that's, these are separate conversations, right? Like you can sit here and say, Arkansas, you can't quite figure out how they're still winning and why they're still top five. And that's a separate conversation from the fact that Tennessee has been frustrating as can be this season. They're two different conversations, but it just so happens that they're, they're kind of molded into one this weekend because they're playing each other. So, um, this is a big environment. It's a big environment. That's a really great, uh, kind of arena for college baseball. It's a great venue. Uh, There's going to be a lot of animosity there, a lot of juice in the air. And this is an opportunity for Tennessee. It's of of all these four series, Ben, of all these four series, we talked about these four kind of straight consecutive top five series, four weekends in a row. Even though this one is at Arkansas, this one maybe is the best chance for Tennessee to win a series. It, it, It might sound crazy to say that, but, you know, I mean, Vanny's playing really, really well right now. It's in Knoxville, so we'll, we'll see that, how that goes. But but of all those four series, this might be the one, from a pure talent standpoint, that Tennessee's got the best chance to win.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all, uh, because I, I do think that there's not an area of Arkansas's team that that is just playing exceptional baseball. And look, all these things that we're saying about Arkansas – it's fair to say the same thing about Tennessee to a certain yes. extent. Um, but he, I listed off the numbers pitching-wise earlier. And, again, just looking at the numbers on paper, we, we play the game on a field and not on paper for a reason. But even the the hitting numbers have, have not been all that impressive in SEC play for Arkansas. Uh, I mentioned the, the pitching numbers not, not being in their favor. But the hitting numbers, seventh and runs, which is middle of the road, they're ninth in slugging percentage, which is bottom of the league. Uh, they are tied for 7th in home runs, but they're 10th in total bases. They're 12th in doubles. They're 10th in on-base percentage, 10th in batting average, 10th in walks. And they're 8-4.
0: and four. And they're 8-4. How is this happening?
1: 11th in hits. They've struck out the third most times, and they've – they, they've only stolen six bases in SEC play, which is the fourth fewest. Now they do really, they, they play really, really great defense. They, they are second in the SEC in fielding percentage and have committed the second fewest errors at six, whereas Tennessee has committed the most errors in SEC play at 18. So for, for Tennessee, it's, it's, it's really simplistic. Don't beat yourself. Handle the environment. Don't beat yourself. And can the pitching not even pitching staff. I I hate labeling it as a staff because it's it's really just a starting pitching. Can, can that get going? And if it, if it can, then I I really do like Tennessee's chances. You know, if I had to make a prediction, I'm probably not going to pick Tennessee to win uh, because they, they have not shown to this point in the season that they can go out and win on the road. And and there, there's still those self-inflicted wounds somewhere Scattered over the baseball field at some point, that that really frustrates you if if you're a fan, and I, I'm not totally confident that that they'll handle the environment well. I think that they will, but my confidence in them doing so is, is probably middle of the scale. We'll, we'll see what happens. I I think they'll handle it, but there's just no guarantee just because of how hostile of an environment it is. I I think it's the type of thing that. It'll either not literally tear them apart, but just within the game of baseball, kind of tear them apart, and, and they'll explode, or they'll 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 come together. It'll it'll make them closer, uh, and, and I think that LSU series prepared them well, but they, they've gotta they, they've gotta find some starting pitching, and, and if they do that, I I really like their chances uh, because I, I think that the this is a matchup that favors a, a Tennessee offense that that is that has been slow to get going, but is finally getting going. Uh, And if, if they can continue to, to show signs of those improvements, then, then I do like Tennessee's chances this weekend.
0: Yeah. It, it, it comes down to doing the things that you can do well. Like I I know I wrote a call about this, a couple of them, at least I think the past month or so, but it's like Tennessee does not, it's not like you're any of us are asking Tennessee to do things that are that are so much ab- above and beyond what they're capable of doing. Like if Tennessee's players just go out there and play the way they're capable of playing, if the pitchers pitch the way they're capable of pitching, if the hitters hit the way they're capable of hitting, if they play defense the way they're capable of playing defense, then the the rest will take care of itself. Like they're one of the more talented teams out there. It, it's like if you're asking a team – to go out there and do things that it's not comfortable doing or not capable of doing. And and those teams don't do those things. That's your fault for asking for it. Like, I don't think anyone's asking for these guys to go be Superman. They just need to go out there and be themselves. And and if you, if they go out there and they do that, they're going to win a hell of a lot more than they lose. If they go out there and do those things, but they're searching for that identity. They just don't quite whatever it is, they don't have it right now. And I don't think it is talent. I think they've got talent. I don't think it is experience. I think they've got enough experience. It's just sometimes for some teams, things just don't come together as soon as you want them to. And sometimes they don't come together at all. And, and, and will this be a team that we're sitting here at the, at the end of the season saying, man, it just didn't come together. Or are we going to sit here kind of like Ole Miss was last year and say, Hey, they played their best when they needed to. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You just give yourself a chance. You get in the field, and then things can happen for you. So if they just do what they're capable of doing, Ben, this team turns into a really good team at the snap of a finger. Look at that final game against LSU. Look at that final game against Florida. And you know LSU and Florida – were confident going into those games. They had a chance to sweep Tennessee. They, they smelled blood in the water. They wanted to sweep the team that, that, that kind of has beaten up on them recently. They wanted to take care of business. They were fired up, and they should have been. They were really, really, really impressive the first couple of days in each of those series. And what does Tennessee do? Routes both of them, both games. And that shows you that they've still got that in them. They've still got that – that 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 weapon is in their is in their bag. They can do that. It's just how do you do it earlier? Do you switch the pitching around? Do you maybe tweak the lineup? Whatever it is, uh, do something. You know, change your pregame meal. You know, change your look. What uniform you're wearing. What days. Change whatever you got to change. Do whatever you got to do to to bring that earlier in the series. Because if you can do that on Saturday or Sunday, you can do it on Thursday or Friday.
1: Yeah, and the good news is that you you have a little under two months before you need to be where you need to be. And, and, and not saying that you should procrastinate and, and cut it close, but th- there's still plenty of time to to get right and to get it right. And th- this team has plenty of talent and and too many smart people on the coaching staff to to not figure it out. Will, will they be bona fide national championship contenders when it's all said and done, top five, top 10, like like we thought that they would be? in the preseason i don't know i i don't know but to to think that this team won't have a chance to make a run at omaha uh, i i think it's foolish and if if you can find a a way to get your pitching staff as a whole to to click to to have everybody clicking at the same time and you can get to omaha and that pitching staff is is all clicking at the same time then then you are primed to to do some damage uh, because that that is a tournament that is set up for teams with a lot of pitching depth. Uh, so uh, you, you just got to be playing your best ball when when it matters most, and, and there's still plenty of time. It, we are technically, as I said earlier, just past the, the halfway point of the season, but there there's still so much baseball left to be played, and uh, the good and the bad of what we know today will be different than what we know when when we reflect when we're in Hoover or the NCAA tournament, or or just after the season. So uh, plenty of time for Tennessee to get it right, but this weekend will be a nice step just in, in simply building confidence. And, and who knows, maybe switching things up with the rotation uh, is able to kickstart those guys as well. But we'll, we'll learn plenty, and we'll have plenty of coverage up at GoBalls247.com. Like I said, busy weekend, Tennessee football spring game, recruiting for football, recruiting for basketball out of the portal, Big baseball weekend, and and we'll have it all covered at GoVols247.com, Wesley.
0: Uh, We definitely will. We'll have all of it covered, Ben. And and, uh, it's remember, this still could be the season people want it to be just uh, at the business end. So there's plenty of time left in this team. Uh, If you're giving up on this team, uh, you're maybe missing the chance to see something special later in the year because I still think this team, if it it gets it together, Ben, it's right there. He's Wes Rucker. I'm Ben McKee.
1: Enjoy your weekend, everybody. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back.
0: We need all hands on deck.
1: So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch.
0: That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb?
1: New NCIS Monday nine eight Central on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.